0: Triathlon Show, 395. Hey, what's up everybody, and welcome back to another episode of That Triathlon Show, the podcast presented by scientifictriathlon.com. I'm your host Michael, and on today's episode I interview Sophie Caldwell. Sophie is a short course athlete from Great Britain, currently ranked fourth in the world and fifth in the World Triathlon Championship Series, or WTCS. In this interview, we go into detail discussing Sophie's training, uh, things that she has changed to allow her to reach the level she is currently performing at, how she's planning on maximizing her chances to qualify for the olympic games in paris and uh, lots more so it's a great interview stay tuned but before we get into it big thanks to our sponsors precision fuel and hydration they help athletes perform at their best with electrolyte and fueling products and with free online tools education and a patented sweat test you can use the free fuel and hydration planner on their website to get a personalized plan for carbohydrate sodium and fluid intake And you can also book a free 20-minute video consultation to chat through your plan with the athlete support team. I have used their entire range of products for many, many years now, and I think they're absolutely brilliant, so I couldn't recommend them enough. And you can get 15% off your first order by using the code TTS23 on precisionfuelandhydration.com. And thank you to Form. The Form smart swim goggles give you real-time feedback in your swim training right on the goggle lens, including your splits, pace, stroke rate, and heart rate. This means that you can execute your swim workouts much better, whether it is by pushing harder when you're starting to fall off the pace or by holding back when you're accidentally going faster than you should. It also means that if you're using a Garmin or a similar watch in the pool, you can finally get rid of that because the goggles automatically notice when you start and stop each of your intervals and give you accurate splits for each and every interval without the disruption of uh, using a watch and pressing the on and off buttons. I also think it adds a lot more fun and uh, motivation to swimming, which is very important in order to Be consistent week in, week out with going to the pool, and you can get 15% off the goals with the code TTS15 on forumsoom.com forward slash TTS. Now, without any further ado, here's the interview with Sophie Caldwell. Welcome to The Triathlon Show, Sophie. How are you doing?
1: Hi, I'm good, thank you. Yeah, really good. Thanks for having me me on. Uh,
0: It's a great pleasure. Uh, You have had a storming start to the season in the World Triathlon Championship Series uh with uh your results in Abu Dhabi and uh, Yokohama uh, and we'll talk about that soon but uh first let's start with an introduction for those people that uh, might not know who you are
1: uh yeah I say I'm Sophie Coldwell uh British triathlete uh been on the circuit a while now based in Loughborough um and yeah finally won my first World Series uh gold medal so yeah it's been a good year so far
0: yeah, exactly. So you got second in Abu Dhabi and then first in Yokohama, and uh, that was um, yeah, really a convincing win win in uh, in in a tough race in those conditions. So you didn't trace the Kogliari, so you're not in the series lead anymore, but obviously you're in a good position for it. So how do you feel about uh, the World Triathlon Championship Series and and your start to to that part of the season? But also, how does uh How does it fit in with your overall goals, which I'm sure is mostly about qualifying for the Olympics as the first priority?
1: Yeah, I mean, obviously, this beginning of this year has been great. It was more than I could have uh, hoped for in Abu Dhabi and then then winning in Yokohama. Like, I hadn't planned to come out and, you know, do that. Obviously, you want to kind of perform as well as you can, but this year has all been geared around trying to qualify for the Games. So, yeah, the A race for me is the test event in August. Um, and then Pontevedra, the grand final. There are two qualification events. So it was great to come out and and do those races and get those results on my belt. They're on the discretionary policy for our British triathlon selection. So although they're not, you know, automatic selection races, like they're races that will be looked at. Um, and then, yeah, obviously the world series is, is something that I'd love to kind of end up on the podium overall in. And, um, I am actually only doing four plus the grand final, so I don't have a race to drop, and I knew that coming into the season. So to kind of get to under my belt and you know then be good results, yeah, really happy with the start to, to that campaign as well.
0: Mm. I didn't actually know that the selection criteria has specific races that uh, that they're looking at for the discretionary slot. That's, that's quite interesting. So maybe we can uh, take this opportunity to talk a bit more about how the – qualification process works because there are quite a few variables to it basically there are requirements from world triathlon side for qualifying as an individual but then the the federation or the nation is who gets the slots and then they have their own uh policies for how they select their athletes so so can you tell us more about how it works
1: yeah so um obviously each nation wants to try and get maximum of three uh athletes for male and female racing at the Games. Um, The introduction of the relay has meant that a lot more nations um, find it easier to qualify two men and two women. So we fortunately locked that in in Montreal last year in the World Championship relay. Um, We came second to France, but as France are the host nation, they already have their relay qualified. So us being second, we qualified two men and two women. Once your nation's done that, the third spot works on the rankings. So it goes to the Olympic um, ranking system which is divided into two periods one period which one runs May uh, 2022 to 2023 and then the second one is May 23 to 2024 uh, so the first period shut now so you can have a maximum of six races that count in that period and again six races that count in the second period that then forms your ranking system and if you have three athletes ranked inside the top 30 you will qualify three male or female depending on which ranking system you look at so fortunately on the women we have three inside the top four I think or five so we've definitely got we've definitely got three on the start list it's something a bit more challenging for our for our men and that's something that they're trying to yeah get qualified so we have three in on the men's side but yeah fortunately we have the women's kind of sorted so we don't need to worry about that um so then once the quotas have been set from World Triathlon each nation then has their own selection policy on how they do that some nations are on rankings, some are just if you get an overall position at any World Series, and then some are stipulated to specific events. So for us, automatic, um, if you're a returning uh, Olympic medalist, who so Alex and Georgia, they just need a podium at the test event. That's them in automatically. For those who aren't returning medalists, they need a podium at the test event and the grand final. So that's automatic selection, no questions asked, you're in. We then have a discretionary list. Um, which basically looks at Olympic World Series, um, Sprint World Series. Then relays are also on that list as well. Um, so although they're not automatic, if you were to say have a good race at the Grand Final or the Test event, but maybe not do the other one or something happens or whatever, then those races can be looked at for selection. So even though they're not, it's not guaranteed. It's obviously good to have those ticked off. So if something does happen or You know, they are looking at discretionary at the end of the year to fill two or three spots like you've got that as well. So that's why a lot of nations are geared around that test event and the grand final. I know that America are around that as well. Um, Australia, look at that event. I know a lot of the nations use the test event because obviously it's on the course. So that for us is, is the big one of the year.
0: Yeah, uh, that's a, a perfect uh, explanation of how it works. So, yeah, you, you have to then to get an automatic qualification podium at both the test event and the grand final. So, uh, obviously, um, a very challenging task for, for anybody to do that, but uh, that then it's understandable that you have geared your season around uh, around those events to yeah. to give yourself the, the best possible opportunity. Um, if we roll back the clock a little bit, when and how did you get into triathlon?
1: Um I've been doing triathlon for a very long time. Uh started when I was eight, so um twenty years now, so it's quite a long time. Um my mum just saw a local advert for a triathlon that was at one of the local centres near where we lived, took me down. Um at the time it was 50 meter swim, like a two K bike and a 500 metre run, but I couldn't even swim 50 meters front crawl, so I did one length front crawl, one length backstroke. Obviously it was in the swimming pool at the time. Um and yeah, just kind of got hooked from a young age, really, and then ever since that, I've kind of done a very linear progression, I'd say, like kind of through children events um, that we have in the UK, regional events, all the way up through to like national series events, then on to like junior European Cups, junior championships, under 23 championships, yeah, European Cups, World Cups, and and now on to World Series. So, I, I definitely have kind of ticked every box of stepping stones along the way, I'd, I'd say. So, um yeah i've been doing it a while and yeah i feel like i've i've done a lot of the a lot of the races along the way
0: yeah no uh, and uh on the world triathlon page on your profile you have done 58 yeah. starts, and that's across uh continental cups and world cups and world triathlon championship series and i think they also count i may be wrong but i think they count junior at least junior no ju- all the junior and and uh under 23 races as well but it looks like you have mostly senior uh, races on on there just from a quick scroll with 22 podiums and uh and nine wins uh so so yeah a very solid resume uh can we go into a discussion on your training and uh, maybe start with an overview of things like um you mentioned training in Loughborough so Talk a bit more about how that works, what is your training group, your coaches, your training partners, and and then we can go into some uh, yeah, training parameters and, and discussions.
1: Yeah, so um, British Triathlon is predominantly split into two centres. You have Leeds and Loughborough. They're our main hubs um, in the UK. Um, I just have so happened to live 15, 20 minutes away from the university. So when I was kind of still at school and, you know, that 14, 15 years old i was coming down into the to the squad here and started doing a bit of swimming out of here and started doing a bit of cycling with the group so i've kind of been in and around the centre environment for a long time and it is um it's just great being out of a university like loughborough is renowned for its sports facilities um it's got you know it's got everything you need in one place really and i think that for me like underpins the ease of of living in loughborough like i live a mile mile and a half away from the campus which has got yeah it's got the pool the track the gym it's got our physios sports nutrition uh physiology the labs everything is there so like it just makes everything so easy for us to be there and yeah we have all the practitioners again are based in and around Loughborough so not only obviously that my coach Adam Elliott who I've worked with for since I was 15 as well so like I obviously have a really great relationship with him but everything else is based out of the university so yeah everything's there everybody's there and I think that just underpins the basis of our training basically.
0: And uh, who are your training partners on a day-to-day basis?
1: So majority of my training do with Olivia Mathias Um, we just do a lot of our work together she's one of my best friends so we do a lot together uh, but the squad's, you know, we've got Alex Yi in the squad as well. So with that, we have a really good boys side of things. So I do obviously a lot of my swimming, swimming with the boys, um, just with it being one of my strengths. Uh, it's good that I have the lads to train with. Um, and then we've got kind of up and coming guys as well. So Connor Bentley, Ben Dykstra, there's a group of us like coming through. And yeah, we get on so well together. And I think that just enables everyone to kind of like learn from each other, especially when you've got someone like, you know, Alex with the results that he has. and yeah, having someone like that in the group, I think just brings a lot to to everyone really. So I think that's a big part of it. And um, yeah, the relationships just I kind of think underpin everything that we have, like whether that's relationships with other athletes and the respect you have for each other and, you know, what everyone brings to the group or whether that's the relationships with the practitioners, the relationship with the coaches, like it is a really tight knit group. And I think that is one thing that it makes us quite successful
0: yeah i'm sure and uh what is your training training like on uh yeah on a general basis when you're not tapering for a race or uh, and traveling across the world so when when you're in love uh, how many hours per week do you train typically how is that split across swim bike and run
1: yeah so swim five times a week um kind of averaging about 25k a week um with Tuesday being just like steady aerobic reps bit of strength based in there Wednesdays long course, 6k long reps pull that kind of another strength based swim. Thursdays are like best pace vo2 kind of swim again but the theme across all my swims is it's quite strength based like I'll never do I'll never do a set without pull pull and band um, paddles in like all my training across swim bike and run actually has a real strength element to it um so even when we're kind of doing like best pace 50s hundreds like i'd say at least a third of that will be pull based pull band pull paddle just like say for a strength and mechanics point of view um friday's a recovery swim so it's just 4k again just probably some pull and band in there um mechanics loading type of thing and then sunday for me is the key swim of the week uh it's a VO 2 uh, sorry a threshold um lt2 swim So that'll be anything from two, 2.2K swimming, 70, 71s long course, up to three, 3.2, 3.3K swimming like 73s. Um, And those reps will be nothing shorter than 300 meters. Like they're quite decent reps. Um, And again, there'll be some pull in there as well to, yeah, a bit more strength in the week. Um, Bike program, do two bike sessions a week um so i ride four times a week 11 to 12 hours um monday is a kind of an on off session again a, another theme of my training is i never kind of do like best pace reps with like decent recovery everything's kind of on off over under kind of work whether that's bike or or run um so that's kind of what we do on a monday whether that's short stuff like you know 30 seconds on 15 seconds off or if that's opened up to you know, longer reps, but again, it's all, always a continuous recovery. Um, Wednesdays are long ride. so three, three and a bit hours, but again, up to 90 minutes of tempo work in there um, in long reps, 20, 25, 30 minutes. Um, Thursday is a, just an easy mountain bike day. Um, that's been put on the mountain bike just to kind of offload a bit, really. Like, I struggle the way I sit on a saddle, <laughs> I struggle with like a pressure on my pubic bones it's kind of like a constant stress response um so we have to be really careful that i don't ride too much because it flares up and yeah then get a super tight adductor and it's just yeah not ideal so yeah last couple of years that's kind of gone on the mountain bike and we did some pressure point testing on saddles and like obviously on a mountain bike you're sat more upright so it massively offloads that area Um, so it's just enabled me to put a bit more riding in and then through the winter i've done enough mountain biking now that if we have crappy weather which is very common um it enabled me to do long rides or even sessions out on the mountain bike, which is just another option which which saves me from going on the turbo basically. Um and then Sasse is a long ride for four and a half, five hours. Um try and get up to the peak district if I can. My husband is an ultra runner, distance runner, so he does a lot of training up in the peak district. So point to point rides up to there and it's just a good yeah, good stimulus with the, the hills and the climbs and stuff, it's just something different. And then run wise I run between 60 to 65k a week. Um, Two sessions, track session on a Tuesday, again, predominantly on off stuff like fartlek kind of training. Um, Steady run on a Monday and a Thursday with some drills. Um, Strength based run on a Friday, normally tempo based, but we'll do that hilly. So yeah, we'll do 35, 40, 45 minutes worth of tempo, but it's never quicker than four minute Ks just because it's, it's pretty hilly. So yeah, I've, ran that I've not not done that session this year like I haven't switched to doing more faster stuff or anything like that I think next week is my first build tempo but apart from that I was doing that you know all the way into Yokohama and then long run on a Sunday again 80 minutes but the biggest thing for me has been since COVID I've actually trained less in a week but just do it more consistently Um, up and up to COVID I was a constant injury niggle every few months I'd be getting something normally promptly running related um so when Covid hit it was kind of like an opportunity that we knew we weren't going to be racing for the year um and it was like right let's just pull everything back but let's pull it back to a level that I can actually do week in week out without having to have these massive periods where I've had to pull things back because I've been like niggly and injured so I actually train if you look at it as a week I actually train less than what I did 2018 2019 but this is a level that i can do every week for two and a half three week blocks to then have a couple of easy days and touch wood i've not been injured off this and it's been able to give me a really good foundation to build from and yeah race off
0: how much does that add up to roughly in hours um
1: about 27 hours 28 hours with gym in there as well
0: Mm. yeah and did you when you pulled back from that pre-covid level was that something that was hard for you to do mentally or in any way uh, just did you have confidence that it would help you are you scared of letting go of training more that no. that you would lose fitness or how how was that process
1: i think i'd got myself into a vicious circle really that you'd kind of spend time rehabbing and getting back from something you'd then be constantly chasing to get fit because you've got a race on the horizon. So it was like, we needed to put in a double run on a Monday. We needed to run on a Saturday. We needed to put extra like mileage around sessions on the bike and stuff. And then it was just like this constant circle of that. And I think it wasn't until you knew that you had six to eight months, which ended up being longer than that. But at the time we didn't know of longer time that it kind of gave us the opportunity to be like, you're not going to be racing anytime soon. It's like use this time, to like just make a foundation and then obviously COVID period was longer than we thought. Um, and it just, yeah, it was amazing like how well I ran off that, how well I was riding off that. Um, and we've just stuck to those principles, but it probably, I don't know in a weird way, I kind of think COVID was a massive blessing in disguise for me because I'm not sure I would have had the confidence to say, no, I'm going to do less. And I think it took something like that knowing that you I wasn't going to race for well what ended up being over 12 months to kind of say it do- if it doesn't work it doesn't work but we're gonna try something else
0: yeah, yeah. no that makes sense and uh, when you talk about doing a lot of strength-based ba- stuff in uh, in all of the disciplines really then uh, is that something that is something that uh, adam elliott a- applies across uh a majority of his athletes or is it something that you have found that works particularly well for you as an individual and uh, yeah can you talk more, more about that
1: it's definitely principles that underpin a lot of our training um i probably take it to the extreme um with the amount i do and for the length of period i do like i'm pretty much the only one in the squad that's still doing 40 minute hilly tempos up around beacon where we live um everyone else has come onto the flat and is getting ready to race but I think just the the athlete that I am and the balance in the week, like that's just how I seem to go the best, the best off that. Like I definitely didn't think I was going to be in the run shape that I was in Yokohama off the training that I'd done. But I think it's just the consistency of of that training and then the conversion of doing the strength-based stuff off the bike. I think I just massively respond to. And I think, especially in Olympic distance, like that's just the way that I, yeah, train and then race best.
0: Mm. So in the past would you have uh, leading into a race like Yokohama for example you would have been doing a lot faster running than than the tempo based hilly running that you were doing now so shorter faster threshold repetitions or something like that is that what it would have looked like before
1: Yeah we would can you know we'd put like more running off the bike you know we do a bike session and then we do like three by 2k off the bike sessions like that we'd kind of do like five minute efforts off a static recovery you know like kind of more of what I'd call like a state like a standard session what you probably see whereas yeah my track sessions you kind of look at them and you kind of step off the track and you think oh it didn't feel that hard but you've probably done a lot of work in that section and it's n- it's not off a static recovery like I did track today was you know a mile at 10k pace into 200 jog and then rolled through basically like 200 on 200 off like continuous like for the whole seven and a half k on the track like i didn't stop once um and i know it doesn't work for everyone but i definitely think that's the way that i can balance the week and also like improve as well
0: yeah yeah um and uh yeah so running off the bike how how much uh, how much role does that play in your program
1: um not a lot to be honest um I kind of maybe do one maybe two in the lead up to a race but it's not it's not a big session at all it's normally three minutes hard off the bike something like that and then I'll make up the total volume so that I if I then wouldn't run in the morning so basically on a Monday's so when we do our bike session and when I'd run off the bike so instead of doing a 50 minute run in the morning that would come out and I'd do three minutes hard off the bike and then I'd run 20, 25 minutes steady just to add a bit of volume in the week. But yeah, like I say, that I'd only be put in once, maybe twice. And I think previously I'd probably feel like I needed to put those sessions in, um, whereas now I feel like I don't need the confidence from doing it. I take the confidence from the other bits in the training and those bits are almost like feel-good sessions rather than actually doing good for me.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, let me see here. Yeah, so uh, could we run through your last full week of training, uh, Monday through Sunday? Is that possible?
1: Yeah. Um. So Monday, fifty-minute run, steady. Take the dog out. Nothing. Nothing crazy. Uh, into a bike session, and I had three by ten minutes over under. Um, within a two and a half hour ride
0: uh what, what are what are those over unders if we're more specific is it are they fairly the ores and unders are they fairly close to each other or are we talking zone five zone two or zone four zone three how, um
1: how there's probably about a just under 200 watt difference between the on and the off um and then as the year gets on the rep length gets longer and as it gets longer the difference between the on and off comes down so at the moment they're quite it's quite far apart and then as we go and the reps kind of go from 30 seconds up, then the the difference between the on and the off will become down. So it's much more of a flatter line, whereas at the moment it's obviously quite a big curve. Yeah. Um, right. And then Monday afternoon is physio. That's a regular thing. Every week, Monday afternoon, physio. Tuesday morning, we have a 5K swim. Longish reps with some fly in there. Strength based stuff, pull band. This morning I had two eights, two sixes mixed in with some other bits and bobs. Uh, and then track, again, total volume on the track, 7K, something like that. Um, again, follows a similar pattern the on off stuff, uh, maybe with a longer ref at the start so at 10K pace. Uh, Wednesday we have is our long term of the week, 6K long reps maybe a bit of pace change in there um yeah long course for us it's yeah solid swim in the morning uh three hour ride and then that's where my second bike session of the week goes but that's much more of a muscular conditioning session so kind of up to 90 minutes worth of work at, yeah tempo lt1 kind of depending on what people call it um split into three maybe four reps um getting used to being a bit more aero on my road bike, which I struggle with sometimes. So just dialing in those things and yeah, just a bit of conditioning really. And then have gym in the afternoon. Thursday we have our VO2 swim. Um, we've literally just switched that to go in open water. So yeah, the whole of our squad plus the development squad um, go down to the local lake and we kind of have race pace reps, short reps, race simulation stuff like it's kind of a a real key swim for me my open water skills are definitely a place to improve on so like that's a key swim for me in the week um 90 minutes two hour ride put it on the mountain bike normally go out with my husband and we stop for lunch it's just a real chilled chilled ride um and then another steady run 50 minutes with some drills and strides I think that's also been quite key for me in just partly from an injury point of view like I think the plyometric and the drill side of thing have really helped but then also just in like a biomechanics like transfer of yeah like run yeah run load and stuff I think that's really helped me and then we have some just some strides off the back of that to prep for Friday run session uh Friday run session in the morning like I say I'm still doing tempo um we'll probably move that from just a standard hilly tempo to a flatter build tempo, but. Similar principles, um, and that will be within a 75 minute run, something like that. Uh, then we have a steady swim in the afternoon, 4K. The,
0: the tempo the tempo that you have been doing is 30 to 40 minutes, you said normally? Uh,
1: 35, 40 minutes, yeah, with maybe a couple of yeah. shorter hill reps to start. Um, but it's hilly, like, I don't think I've ever, ever ran that quicker than four minute Ks. You know, it's somewhere between 4 to 410. Um, yeah, it's just a solid effort, really. Um, steady swim in the afternoon, 4K, mixture of some band stuff, some stroke mechanics, 10 strokes max kind of thing. Uh, Saturday, long ride day, four to five hours. Try and vary it up. Um, Jodie Simpson sometimes comes down and rides. Kat Matthews is new to Loughborough now, so I've been kind of jumping in with her, and she's been dragging me around for uh, some Saturday rides. Um so there's definitely other people to tap into that, you know, like the long course guys as well. Um, yeah, just steady, steady ride, aerobic. And then second gym session in the week, Saturday afternoon. Sunday, long run. Another thing that's changed is I've pulled that back. So it used to be 90, 95 minutes. That's come back to 80 max. Again, another hilly run. Um, take it off the trails. Kind of don't look at the watch. Normally ends up being 4.45, 4.50s but again another hilly run and then we have the last last session of the week and probably my key swim is five five and a half k um either 2k of threshold or 3k of lt2 stuff so kind of in maybe like 73s um depending on where we are in the season and yeah they're just five 600 meter reps and like that again is a real like muscular conditioning session by the end of that your your arms are about to fall off it's a tough one
0: yeah no it sounds like it for sure uh the gym sessions we didn't talk about about them yet well what do they entail
1: yeah so i think that's another thing for me like before covid i used to kind of do heavier stuff in the gym um and i just i don't know whether i just wasn't conditioned enough for it or it was just taking too much out of me in the week but we kind of brought that back to real capacity stuff um so like low level body weight low level low leg like loading stuff um there was no real like heavy squats leg press there's nothing like that it was kind of brought back to a real capacity level and then kind of stuck that out for two two and a half years and literally only after coming back from the end of season break this year we started to put in like one or two exercises a week which are like a heavy weight um so I definitely think that bringing gym back to a more consistent capacity level gave me a better foundation to train off and it was about injury prevention whereas now I feel like the gym is slowly tipping from injury prevention which obviously still is but to more of a um like improvement for swim bike run
0: yeah that makes sense and how how long are you in the gym for normally
1: about an hour depending on how much i chat but probably about an hour
0: (laughs) yeah yeah what what those exercises that you're now putting in that are heavier what what are the key exercises that are in your rotation
1: um so they kind of change every six to eight weeks we've had things like single leg uh leg press double leg leg press um hip thrusts push like iso holds which obviously are heavy but you're not really moving it iso holds whether that's like a hip i like hamstring iso hold um calf iso holds uh low box step ups are a new one that are going in but they're only i only kind of do maybe one one exercise a session that i'd say was like a heavy heavy session a heavy load um because i just think if i do too much of that i feel like the knock on is negative for my training rather than
0: positive right yeah and uh, we already talked a bit about the changes you made and how that brought consistency to your consistency to your training which has obviously helped um, across the board really with your performances now but uh, especially if we look at your your run i feel because i i think from as a viewer it you have for quite a long time been up there in the swim and the bike and been able to be in those front packs but the run is where um, you have really taken huge steps in in the last little while so is there anything else to your run improvements that you that you think that this is this is a positive change that I made that has helped me improve my run
1: I know it sounds like a broken record but I think for me it's just the consistency I think for someone who's not a natural runner you know you kind of look at you know Georgia or Beth or Cassandra like like those girls are like just natural runners I think for me, it's something that I have had to work on, but it's really difficult to find the balance of working hard at it, but not getting too carried away that you do too much and therefore get injured. So I think, you know, touch wood, I haven't had a niggle now since pre COVID. And I think that has just allowed me to tick off 60, 65 K like pretty much week in week out. And that has just enabled me to just slowly chip away and improve at that. So I think that's just been a massive thing. And I think that just takes time. Um, there hasn't been massive changing in my program. Like we haven't sat there and gone, you know, we're going to add this in that in like it's been pretty consistent. If anything, I've just taken less out, but it's just meant that I've done a lot more through the year. And then I think the other thing is just running off the bike. My biking has improved a lot over the last few years um, to a point where you take like a Yokohama, like that was still pretty far under like my second threshold, the, the ride that, you then come off of it and you're then enabled to just run pretty much full capacity because I'm not coming off the bike having worked close to my capacity so I have done rides before like I think back to you know Leeds when I got my first World Series podium and Leeds and I was in a breakaway with Taylor Spivey the year after and those rides were a lot closer to the capacity that I had at the time which is probably why my runs suffered coming off the back of it whereas now I've kind of got 15 20 watts on where I was two three years ago and that has enabled me to just run a lot fresher off the bike and obviously that's there to be used if you know if the breakaways there and to ride hard and stuff but I've been fortunate that we've been in breakaways that are working everyone's contributing and therefore you don't need to completely red line it and I think that has massively enabled me to then run better in races as well.
0: Yeah, do you feel when you're in the breakaway, like in Yokohama, that uh, like a f- sense of real confidence that you're one of the strongest riders there, and also good technically? So, so you're not worried that oh, this would be a hard ride. Do you feel like that you're well set up to go through the ride and not having to exert right. yourself maximally?
1: Yeah, I mean, like don't get me wrong, I'm not sat there going like oh, this is super easy. Um, you know, there's still points where you know everyone's working, everyone's contributing maybe Taylor Nib's attacking and you're pulling that back in and stuff like that. But I think it's nice kind of going into races, knowing that I have the ability to really redline if I need to, but also knowing that if you're in those breakaway situations, everyone wants that breakaway to go that's in it and everyone's willing to work. And therefore it all kind of works best and everyone is then able to run better off it as well. So it's just mutually beneficial when you've in that situation, I think.
0: Yeah. Yeah um if we go and discuss you go back to discussing your training environment uh a little bit more one thing that i find interesting and i mean you already described it so well you made a really good pitch for it i, I would say that it makes me want to go there and train <laughs> but uh, in a lot of other countries you see athletes going to even going to international squads moving to places like girona or training in places like flagstaff or portugal or australia you I, I actually went to australia for a training camp i know but um, but a lot of athletes do take the step of moving to a nice triathlon location that is kind of nice at least throughout the year whereas i don't know if that can exactly be said from a weather perspective about loft so but what is it that makes the athlete want to stay commit to staying there and in leeds of course similarly is is it just the fact that it's so well set up with everything? Is there anything else to it? You think?
1: Yeah, I think. Yeah, obviously, if you look at the center as a whole, that it is very well set up. Like, obviously, training's difficult, but training's also in a way easy because everything's there, everything's where you need to be. And we're also so fortunate that where we are here. I honestly don't think I've ever been anywhere where there has been this as much variety and. Accessibility to riding routes and running routes anywhere in the world. Because if someone was to tell me, you know, they wanted to do a four hour ride and they wanted it to be flat, they wanted it to be hilly, they wanted to go off mountain biking for three hours, like it has all those things. Similarly, with running, like you want to run on road, you want to run on gravel, you want to run hilly, you want to run like wherever. If you were to drive even just 10 minutes around wherever, all those things are accessible. Whereas, you know, even when we were in Australia for a training camp, the running there's terrible compared to what it is in Loughborough. Like, there's hardly any off road running. You have to drive anywhere and it's pretty much pancake flat. So, there's just everything that you need in Loughborough. So, I think from a facility point of view, from a like versatility point of view of what you have around you, like, I honestly don't think there's anywhere better to train. And then on the flip side of that, like, this is also home for me. Like, And it's the same for, you know, like Liv and Alex. That's the same for Ben Dykstra. Like you kind of say to people, oh, like, you know, when are you off home? And I'm like, no, no, I am home. Like this is where I live. Me and Tom have a house here. We have dogs. We have chickens. Like this, this is home. And I think that for me personally, like that is probably the biggest thing for me performing well is my home life and having something that's stable and it's just it's just easy it makes triathlon easy even on the bad days because I come home and I'm home like I never get that feeling of oh I've got to get you know three four five months through Girona and then I go home like I don't have that and I think that's a massive thing if you have that available to kind of have a settled home life and a stable home life it takes the pressure off the triathlon and the training and the racing
0: yeah makes absolute sense and i know you haven't specifically been you know part of the lead squad but i'm sure you've heard from uh your gb teammates and, and others what it's like training there what would you say are the are is it very similar to train there compared to in Loughborough? Or are there some main differences between those two centers
1: i think very similar in that they're both British triathlon hubs. Um, so from that point of view, you know the practitioners, the facilities are all very similar. I think the the biggest difference from Leeds is everything is a bit more spread out. There's not one place which is you know here, and everybody kind of lives within a mile, two miles of because that's where the one swimming pool is, that's where the gym is, the track, the bike circuit. Do you know what I mean? Like everything in Leeds is a bit more spread out, and therefore everybody is a bit more spread out around Leeds um but i think that's kind of the main difference of it and obviously they have slightly different terrain you know they're in the yorkshire dales where they are so like for us to get similar riding we'd have to cycle to the peaks or drive to the peaks but apart from that they are pretty similar and i think again if you were to go and ask you know whether it be georgia or jess or whoever like they would give you a similar answer that that's home that's where they live and that enables them to have a you know a stable home life to train off of
0: yeah that makes sense So, when you do go to training camps, where have you been going for the last few years? What are the the best locations that you've found, and and what is the time of year that that the training camps play a role in your training?
1: Yes, I think the big one for us is our Australia camp through January February. Um, It has a real focus on open water for us. It's probably the only thing being in the UK that we struggle with is being able to access open water. Um, It's cold, and we can probably do it for maybe three maybe four months of the year so it's not something that can be properly done so for us that's where the the Australia camp comes in um has a real focus on on open water we have a really good relationship with Phil Clayton out there and he's yeah he's knows everything about open water so we kind of go out there and buy into his sessions and, and learn from him where we can so that's been a big thing for us we'll continue to do that and i sh- I assume that'll be something that will be ran all the way up to LA um, and maybe even beyond. Cause I think it's just, it fits well. The heat's obviously good. Training for us at that time in the UK is hard. Like it's freezing cold. It's miserable weather. It's just a nice break from that. Um, there's also the bike racing out there. And I think that's been something that's really good for us through that time to kind of get your eye back into racing in a group. That's basically the, I did three bike races out there, which was the only bike sessions I did into Abu Dhabi. Um, but I think it's just such a good way to kickstart, yeah, getting back into bike racing, riding hard. Um, so yeah, that's something that we'll continue to do. Uh, I know a few of the leads lot are going up to altitude. That's just not something that I've done. It's not something that Alex has done. So it's just not something that really our centre will do. Um, that being said, we do use the heat chamber quite a lot in Loughborough. Um, I respond really well to... Yeah, heat as a kind of similar to altitude, kind of like blood plasma and just race well off that. So that's something that I normally would run before races, regardless of how hot the race is, um, for a few sessions before. Won't go into our protocol, but something that that we do use. Um and yeah, then we'll do a prep camp before the Paris Test event um in France, just to trial stuff for the Olympic team for whoever goes for that. Um, somewhere hot again just in case Paris is hot and prepare for that
0: yeah that, that sounds great uh, where in Australia is the camp based
1: uh, Heads, so just down from Gold Coast so yeah that's we've been there a couple of times and it'll be something that we continue to do and yeah maybe that previously that camp has been like four to five weeks and then people have either stayed out for the World Cups New Plymouth Malula Bar if it happens um, or dropped into Abu Dhabi on the way home so it just fits it fits really well for for what we're trying to do
0: and the bike racing that you mentioned that's something that uh the commentaries on world triathlon have been or triathlon live have been talking about during the races that you have been doing is uh, but um it wasn't clear to me is it just those races in australia that you have been doing or have you also been doing races in the uk uh bike racing that is
1: yeah so um we have a really good cycle female cycle squad out of the uni called Loughborough Lightning um that and I was part I still am but I was part of that racing last year um so there was a series called the tour series and it was an absolute baptism of fire being put into those races it was my head hurt more than my body because there was so much thinking involved and just like yeah like it was just something I've never done before so last year through March April time I went and did four I think I did four of the world series four of the tour series which are like consecutive weekends um and they were really good like not just from a physiological point of view but from a awareness and like confidence level and it would have been something that I'd have done again this year but unfortunately the tour series lost their funding so it didn't happen this year um but then managed to get some bike racing out in Australia done but where it fits I'd look to do some stuff through the year and yeah if things come up and whatever then I definitely would jump in and do that because I just think it's something that you can't recreate in training, no matter how hard you try,
0: yeah, is that something you think uh, or, or did, let me rephrase that question i I'm, I'm sure that you found that helpful. that's why you're doing it. Are there any other things because you mentioned also how your bike has come come along really nicely uh, and um, yeah, you're managing to to ride and then run well off of it because you're not at the limit necessarily so are there any other key things in your biking that you think have contributed to this improvement? Uh, or is it just that you have been consistent and and kept doing the things that work and and done it for yeah just longer and longer without without interruption?
1: Definitely worked a lot closer with physiology the last couple of years. So Laura Needham's our physiologist, and definitely dialed in in like what I'm doing and why am I doing it um, rather than just kind of not blindly being set sessions. But there's definitely a lot more. Thinking behind the sessions and almost getting the biggest bang for your buck like, could I physically do another session? Could I physically do another rep? Yeah, probably could, but like, is it worth doing it? What is the cost of putting those extra bits in versus the rewards you get back? So, we kind of set up a lot of the sessions. We did a lot of lactate testing last year. Like, she'd come down to the circuit and we'd do that to just see, like, what is the point of doing more because more doesn't always mean better. Um and then from that I've now had the capacity to have two bike sessions in a week which is something that's only kind of come in this year um but again like making sure that there's a lid on them there's a cap on them and it's not just ride really hard or do as much as possible because I just think people can get really carried away with that and I just that's probably my biggest thing from the last couple of years that it's never just like one session in isolation it's kind of like how do you do the least amount of training, but get the biggest reward from that? Because at the end of the day, the less training you do, the less of a risk you are to getting injured. And I'm not saying that I'm lazy, and I try and get away with the bare minimum. But if you kind of work along that principles, you kind of just think like everything you put into that training week should be there for a reason. And that's not to say that you should only train 15 hours a week, because I don't train 15 hours a week, but almost like, if that thing's going in or that extra rep or whatever is going in for a specific reason because you have the capacity to do that, but you also have the capacity to do X, Y, Z in the week, then put it in. But if you're sat there going, I'm, I don't really know why I'm putting it in. I'm going to be really tired for this. The knock-on effect's too big. Then like, why is it going in? Because you have to look at training as like three, four week blocks, not just one session. Um, so going back to the riding stuff, I think that's where we've just been really smart that I don't, I don't have the capacity to ride 15, 16 hours a week. So we put the mountain bike in that's yeah. That's obviously really good as well. Cause it's skills and stuff off road. You also have the peaks and stuff like power wise because yeah, you're off road and sometimes you have to work really hard to get out of muddy bits or hilly bits or whatever. Um, and then the other three rides that I do in the week, like are all there for a purpose. And yeah, I think just the consistency again but i think those things have definitely added up to yeah giving me the improvements that i've that i've managed to make mm.
0: you you talk about managing the number of of reps in a workout and so that you can do more throughout the week in in total or that the balance is right what about has the physiology uh, contributed to maybe what the intensity is like have have you adapted the intensity that you're doing your your workouts, your sessions, your reps at, or is it more the the total amount of work? If if that makes sense,
1: a bit of both. Like we've done a lot more bike testing, even just this year, just to kind of again make sure that even if things are stepping forward or maybe like stepping back, if kind of you know you've had a couple of easy weeks or recovery weeks, whatever that you are kind of doing those sessions at the right point. Um, so we've definitely been doing a lot more testing to kind of set up the sessions and really be quite specific on them and i think sometimes that's led to me not being able to do as many sessions with the group because we've kind of gone down the route like i said before like getting the most out of each session and sometimes that means not doing it with the group just to make sure like it is really nailing what we're trying to do um like this last couple of blocks i've done some stuff on the turbo which i'd never normally do we have a thankfully have a closed circuit which is like a k long the amount of loops I've done around there on my own are unbelievable but I think if you can kind of get over the it's boring bit and you can really dial in and what you're trying to do like you can be really specific and therefore get the most out of it and the most out of in the week and I kind of said 18 months ago like I really want to put everything in to try and make in the Olympics and if that means doing sessions on my own around the circuit that's what it means and in the week, I definitely have a balance. That one ride, I'm on my own doing laps and laps and laps of this circuit, and then on a Thursday, I take the mountain bikes out with Tom and we go and have lunch. So it's definitely about finding the balance, and not everything is super spe- specific, but the bits that are like they are really dialed in.
0: Yeah. What about the the low intensity the endurance stuff that you're doing across the three disciplines? Really, is that all? Feel based that it should feel easy or do you have some specifics in place basically safeguards in place based on testing that you've done or anything like that how how do you manage that low intensity training
1: i suppose swim wise it kind of takes care of itself like i'd never really swim slower than like 80s 82s swimming whether that was like an easy swim on a Friday or like easy reps on a long thing like they'd never go slower than that anyway because again like my mechanics just go a bit crap um and it's just kind of not worth it so kind of I prefer to swim 77 78 is probably where I'd like to swim and it feels the best so like I feel like swimming kind of takes care of itself especially when you're in a group environment it kind of you have to make the turnarounds anyway um Riding, the only steady ride that I do outside of my spin on a Thursday is a long ride on a Saturday. Um, and I kind of work on the premise that as long as that's kind of like over 150 watts, it kind of is what it is. And if it's hillier and I'm feeling good and it comes back at 175, 180, because I've ridden up to the peaks and I felt good, good. If I've ha- been a bit more tired and it's come back at 155, then that's also fine. But again, like I wouldn't just ride around at 130 watts because you might as well for me I might as well be sat on the sofa recovering like it's kind of a bit pointless um and then run wise I do a lot of running off road up around the trails up around the hills so again I would never run outside five minute k's um but it would fluctuate between 4.30s if it was flatter to 4.50s if it was hillier and a bit muddier but I think I've I've The older I've got, the more in tune I've got with finding that balance of, okay, I'm a bit tired or, okay, this is hillier or, okay, this is like how it's meant to feel. Um, I definitely don't do junk stuff in the week. I'd say it was all kind of stripped back, but everything was in for a purpose and therefore not that everything's hard, but nothing's just doing it for the sake of doing it.
0: Yeah, to put those numbers in perspective, uh, for the listeners especially, because um, as as you probably know, there's a lot of amateur athletes that probably run the same speeds as you, but then they might be ten minutes slower or, or the ten k. What is your ten k PB in a in the triathlon? Probably
1: Yokohama. So thirty three fifty. I ran off the bike in Yokohama
0: yeah and and in terms of cycling uh when you said that you have been doing like lactate testing for example what is your lt1 lt2
1: um lt1 is kind of about 230 lt2 trying to get it up to 285 and i'm just below that um yeah so yeah
0: yeah i that um of course, a lot of listeners will compare to something like FTP testing, and I'm sure that that would be significantly higher than LT2, uh, of, depends a bit on what lactate testing protocol you use. But but yeah, ov- obviously, like really, really good uh, good numbers. Um, so let's see here. Yeah, so, so one question that I have is, now you're all in on Paris, on qualifying first of all, and then I'm sure on doing the best you can have you thought at all about life after paris what uh, what you're going to focus on then I'm not
1: sure to be honest I feel like I kind of just want to make paris and, and then hopefully be there and then can make a decision afterwards I feel like I've yeah I feel like I'm putting a lot into trying to make that games and being able to stand on that start line and genuinely feel like I could be in with a shot of a medal and whether that comes out with one or not is is a different thing but that's kind of goal over the next well less than 18 months now and I probably if obviously the PTO is coming in now with more of the 70.3 stuff which if you'd have said five years ago would you go long I'd be like absolutely not it doesn't interest me whereas I feel like now with what the PTO are doing and kind of like how exciting that racing looks it is something that starts to interest me a bit I definitely am not feeling the love of Iron Man. But uh, that's a bit far for me. But I think half is something that I could get on board with. But whether or not that's a, another Olympic cycle or or not, I'm yeah, TBC after after Paris and see what happens.
0: Right. Yeah. And uh, then I have a a bit of a quick fire round with some fun and interesting numbers, mostly I guess. Uh, so the first one is what were your total training hours in 2022, and also if you can. Uh, Separately list swim, bike, run, training hours.
1: So I don't actually put my swim into like a training piece or something. Basically, if I have a Garbin on, it'll go on. If I don't, it doesn't. So I could only give you biking and running. But right. my biking was 350 hours in 2022. And my running was 184 hours.
0: Right. Uh, if i'm just doing some some quick math if you're doing 25k a week swimming maybe you don't do that every single week but let's say you do that for 48 weeks of the year then that would be oh gosh how much per week um six six hours of swimming perhaps and uh times 48 yes. can that be right to to close to 300 250 to 300 yeah. yeah okay uh best vo2 max ever measured
1: 73
0: and best 400 meter swim time, or if you have another time trial that you do?
1: 424, but that was a while ago. But we do do a set swimming that's three 400s off like a decent recovery, best pace, and I'd hold about 430 for that.
0: So nice. Yeah. For a single all out, you could probably probably beat that. I reckon, um, yeah. If,
1: if, I could, if I did one, maybe 420, maybe.
0: Yeah. 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 Best best Olympic distance, bike power or normalized power, whichever you think is more relevant.
1: I think it would have been Leeds World Series. Um and it was two seven one.
0: Best standalone running performance.
1: Again, I haven't really done one since just after COVID or just as COVID was kind of coming out, but I ran ten K in thirty three twenty two.
0: And typical sleep duration per day, including naps?
1: Probably nine to ten hours, nine hours overnight, and then normally a nap in the day.
0: And this one you already kind of mentioned, but when and what was your first ever triathlon? And do you remember how it went?
1: It was Clifton Triathlon in 2003, and I won. So baby sofa, eight years old, got a first win in 2003
0: yeah and uh if you can give three pieces of advice to age group triathletes listening to this on how to improve their triathlon performance what would that be
1: uh more is less um yeah less in the week but if you can do it back to back weeks that's much more efficient way of training um the timing of recovery so i think that's been a massive thing for me and i owe a lot of credit to tom for is being able to come back in from sessions and breakfast being ready, food being ready, even if it's just a recovery shake that you kind of get in as soon as you finish. I think that's also enabled me to back up training and be able to, yeah, kind of put consistent work in through the week. Um, And then one last thing, I think not like looking too much into one session, like whether one session is amazing or rubbish you kind of just need to forget it and at the end of the day you've still done that session even if it's not great and then look at the week as an overall and be like oh actually I ticked off 99% of the stuff and I did all of it pretty well and I think yeah not getting het up on one session when it doesn't go to, you know go to plan I think you just lose a lot of brain power over those sessions
0: No, that's that's a really good uh, good piece of advice. And uh, let's finish off with the rapid fire questions that I ask every guest. And uh, let's start with what's your favorite book or resource related to endurance sport?
1: I don't actually do that much reading around it, to be fair, but I do kind of similar. I love the YouTube documentaries that people put out, you know, whether that's like your sweat elite kind of ones or people's personal YouTube documentaries that on life, Lucy Charles, Lionel Saunders. Like I love, love seeing what other people do and and kind of yeah, what they're putting out. I really enjoy watching
0: those. And what's an important habit that you've benefited from athletically, professionally, or personally?
1: Being prepared, um, whether that's prepared for nutrition, whether that's being prepared for recovery, whether that's being prepared, just in general life to make you know just small things like packing your swim bag the night before being prepared to make your life easier when you get up i think that has been a good habit to just get into across yeah personal or professional life
0: and who's somebody to look up to or that has inspired you
1: um kelly holmes um she when she won her first gold medal i that was the first sporting thing that i remember watching when i was younger um and at the time i thought it was amazing but it wasn't until you kind of as I got older and learned about her backstory and like how much she struggled through and yet she still came out with two olympic gold medals like yeah that for me is has and always will be the person that I think has inspired me the most through
0: through sport perfect and uh where can people follow you what is the best social media channel or uh any other outlets that you have
1: uh probably on instagram just at sophie coldwell I post a nice variety of training dogs and chickens and chocolate and all other things on there so yeah that's probably the best place on there.
0: And just remind us when when are you racing next?
1: Racing in Montreal so middle of June uh, 24th of June doing the individual and the relay there um, that's the next one for me and then I'm just doing the relay in Hamburg before the yeah test event um, in Paris in August.
0: Well, will Montreal be the super sprint format that they've had in the in the past this year as well, or is it a classic sprint distance? No, it's
1: just the sprint distance. That's been moved to Hamburg this year, so they kind of move things around. Right. So yeah, Montreal's just sprint and relay.
0: All right, perfect. Well, thank you so much, Sophie. This has been super fun and interesting to hear about your training, and uh, all the best for the season and uh, the Olympic qualification especially.
1: Perfect. Thank you very much.
0: I hope that you enjoyed that interview. As always, you can find the show notes on scientifictriathlon.com. And uh, be sure to check out the previous interviews that I've done with uh, other professional triathletes, something that I started doing uh, earlier this year. So we've had Frederick Funk on in episode 380 and Tamara Jewett in episode 391. And uh, we'll get a few more on uh, throughout the course of this year for sure. If you want to improve your triathlon performance and level up to achieve your next goal, there's probably no single better thing that you can do than to get some expert help along the way. At Scientific Triathlon, we provide coaching services that cater to every need, from beginners to professionals, where the athlete is in the center. The coaching is grounded in communication and individualization, and the coaches all have a wealth of experience, knowledge, and coaching skills if coaching is out of your budget or not for you for whatever reason we also have ready-made training plans for different athlete levels and goal events and hundreds if not thousands of athletes have already set big pbs and reached new performance levels and achieved goals with these plans so they are a great option these plans also have exchange and or money back guarantees so it is a risk-free investment you can find out all about our coaching training plans customized training plans and consultation options on ScientificTriathlon.com, and to discuss these options in detail you can email me on michael at scientifictriathlon.com finally big thanks to our sponsors precision fuel and hydration that you can find on precisionfuelandhydration.com if you're looking for electrolytes and fueling products i would highly recommend trying them out you can use their free fuel and hydration planner or even a free video consultation with the team to prepare your race strategy and don't forget to take 15 percent off your first order with the code tts23 and thank you to Form that you can find on formswim.com forward slash TTS. Improve your swim training with real-time metrics like pace, stroke rate and heart rate and advanced post-swim analysis. Use the code TTS15 to get 15% off the Form Smart Swim models. Thank you, as always, for listening. Keep training smart. And keep loving traveling.